Sarah, how are you doing today? Patrick, we are so good. How is life? Is this week 10? Quarantine or nine? I don't even know. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got it. We got, uh, I think it's week 10 because I think we said last week it was week two. nine. I'm counting. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it's week 11. <laughs> But, I, but I think we I think we missed one week, so I think it's our okay. tenth. I think it's our tenth podcast. Uh, social distance. Well, we've got a lot to talk about because you were down in North Carolina, a state which which seems to be allowing people to take uh, COVID into their own hands and to self-moderate themselves, I guess, if you will, or self-regulate. Yeah, I mean, to, to a certain degree. So, uh, North Carolina, who. Uh, so South Carolina was probably two weeks ahead of North Carolina with right. enter, entering the next phases. Uh, and so where I have uh, a place is uh, about 15 minutes from the South Carolina board. Yeah. So we did not venture to South Carolina. Um, having said that, though, North Carolina last week entered phase two, okay. which allowed restaurants uh, to uh, serve at 50% capacity. It allowed barbers to open up with one person per stylist, no more than 10 people in the barbershop at a time. Uh, actually, there's a square footage calculation. So if your barbershop's certain, you know, it could be less than that. But regardless of the size of your shop, no more than 10 people. Uh, and a bunch of other relaxed uh, reopening uh, protocols. Yep. So, uh, you know, completely different than, you know, where we're at, you know, or, you know, between D.C., Maryland, and Northern, I mean, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, and uh, Northern Virginia, which are still, haven't even entered phase one yet. Right. Uh, and then it looks like when they do enter phase one, it's, it's not much of a difference. And then when they enter phase two, there's some, you know, relaxing of, of things. But I, I was really focused on the restaurants because the restaurants, obviously, I believe have been hit the hardest. Well, to some degree, smaller retails as well. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, so we went to a restaurant. Uh, it's like an out, it's like a half outdoor, half indoor, on the water, <clears throat> uh, casual beach place. Okay. And uh, it was so well organized. So they changed their entrance to have one in, one out. Okay. They, re they reconfigured, um, uh, you know, reconfigured how you order, where you go, uh, um, no servers, you had to go get your own food. Uh, you got to, you had to go on a deck and they are called in yada, yada. And I'll, I'll tell you, you can do it. Like I never felt, and I had my mom with me. Oh, wow. You did. Okay. Yes. So obviously who, you know, everyone knows the story was, po you know, was positive and you know, very yeah. apprehensive, a little apprehensive, but she felt totally comfortable. We never came within, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, 10 feet of anyone else um you know when you were leaving you had to be a little bit you had to kind of wait to leave because it, it could get a little crowded at the, the way they had the exit anyway my point is 
I think we're at the point, like when you say reopen, I don't think people are saying just caution to the wind, whoever gets sick gets sick, by, by no means. But I think we're way past the time, especially in our region. Even with phase one, and then you'll be another two to three weeks, and then phase two, I think the phases need to go out the window now. Enough okay. of the phases. Okay. To me, we're way past phases. Right? Okay. To me, now we're at come up with some protocols, let the restaurants set them up if they can meet the, the, the protocols, and then let people manage their own situation, their own health, right? You, you're, you, the continuation of this is only going to put businesses out, uh, you, know, out of, you know, only put people out of business. And honestly, the, show me the science that says another two weeks of this is not, is, is going to be helpful. It's not there. Okay. It's not there, right? The lockdowns or whatever you want to call them, the stay at homes, we're, we're to flatten the curve. It's been well flattened. There's plenty of hospital beds. There are plenty of hospital beds, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw overnight, and I feel like this is probably maybe one of the challenges of our area, that now Virginia recorded a record number of new um, diagnoses of COVID people, last night. Okay, so A, they're testing more, and B, people are still going to get it. The question is, are you minimizing the risk, especially to those most vulnerable, and then manage it from that if you're trying to get to a point where there's no new cases you're just shut down the government and the economy in perpetuity until there's a vaccine so short of that let 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 people businesses with protocols in place manage their own situation enough of Enough of it. Okay, but then it's kind of like what we talked about a couple podcasts ago where it's, you know, nursing homes, whoever owns them or, um, you know, the governors in those states, Mayor de Blasio, we gave a lot of crap to on this show. Uh, well, you know, nursing homes, it's been absolutely disgusting that they've yeah. they've allowed. Yeah, but OK, so then but but, how does that how does that impact? Because if you're talking about reopening, either these nursing home people are then subjected to workers who come in and have either been exposed at home. They have it. They bring it in. You know, it's like the problem is, is you can't control. And I I know two people through other individuals who had been tested positive for COVID, had very mild symptoms and continued to go out to places where they believed that it was fine for them. So you have people who are going to be absolutely irresponsible. But but hold on. You're going to you can't. The problem with our country over the last, and we've talked about this pre-COVID, we're trying to make policies for the worst of the worst in this country. We're trying to protect everyone from, 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 from that person who has complete disregard for other people. And I don't think you can do that. I think not when businesses, not when people's livelihoods, their businesses, their life's work is on the line. Now, that doesn't mean if a restaurant opens up that you frequented, you know, pre pre-COVID and you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to go. You could still order out. That doesn't mean there's going to be a rush. Just because it's open doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, and uh, you know, I'm I'm tired of you know, the Ozarks was a mess, the video. Yes. Oh my god, tons of ha- Memorial Day weekend okay. parties. Those are all honestly, they're all 23-year-old, 25-year-old kids. They interviewed a bunch of them. Uh, you know, 
these these are kids who don't even understand. I hate to say it, but they think they're immune. They don't understand. That, but that's that's generational. So I, I just, I, you know, I, I've kind of come full circle on this. I, I think it's now draconian. I think there's political motivation to keep places closed and to what? have these to have these three and four faces phases, I should say. Sorry. And, um, but what's political I, about that? Because that was advised by the CDC. I mean, that was advised by Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, who have worked for multiple almost. different administrations. I mean, what what political agenda is there? What for keeping places closed? Yeah, I, I, I think it's their own, you know, nervousness. I think it. it you know, listen, I think there's people who want more people to rely on the government. Um, listen, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, the County exec of Maryland doesn't want to keep people safe, but I think you have to balance that with, with people's businesses and livelihoods. And my point is if a North Carolina, and again, I can go, you can only go based on your experiences. If a North Carolina restaurant in May, when it's very busy down there, can manage it. Why can't our restaurants up here do that? Like, the, I think it's just population. You know, we have no, so many more it's people. Not. It's 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 not just that. It's an apprehension. It's it's an over managing. It's government gets to dictate. Mentality. What a, but what about a second and by the wave? Way, the, the governor of North Carolina yeah. is a Democrat is a Democrat. Okay? So I'm not talking about some, you know, governor here who's, you know, oh, you know, let's just throw people to the wolves mentality. You know, Governor Cooper has been very smart about it. I think he's done a great job. You know, I own a home in the state, so I'm very familiar what you know he, you know he's done. He, he was he didn't let South Carolina drive his decision to he, he waited another couple weeks but his phase two North Carolina's phase two should be our phase two up here our, like like let's get going give people a chance to prove they're not the morons we think <laughs> but uh, well but what happens then if they are the morons? You know, and then what are we going to do? What are we going to be saying on this podcast in two or three months when we have a massive second okay, wave? Sarah, Sarah, let's say let's say you and Dan went to a restaurant that, you know, 50 percent capacity tomorrow and you go up there and you see everyone not wearing masks. You see a ton of people waiting to get in all close together uh, and you look at where the seating is and you, you know, you're kind of next to each other. You may not go in. Yeah, we wouldn't. No, I, right. I mean, okay. I give you credit. I wouldn't even, you know, over the weekend, we went to this lobster shack here and, you know, it was in, uh, indoor, partial indoor, outdoor seating. And we never, there was no way we were going to sit, even though they had distanced tables. Because you do, you have a lot, mostly, unfortunately, people my age and younger, no masks, no masks for their little kids. Um, the younger people seem to be the ones that, like you said, don't think it's going to happen to them, don't have any regard for their parents or grandparents or other older people that are at these places. And, I mean, quite frankly, they had like a teenager kind of cleaning the tables. I, I just think, you know, I, it's a hard, it's a tricky situation, I think. And and I in our area, especially, you've got, 
tons of population issues. You've got restaurant after restaurant next to each other if you're talking like downtown D.C. Um, So, But you sound like like, there's never going to be a perfect situation. Never. Okay. COVID is here. It's not going away until there's a vaccine. The goal is to mitigate to the best of our ability the contamination and, 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 and others getting the virus. If we're wearing masks, and again, obviously you can't wear a mask when you eat. So, you, you know, going in, you wear a mask. Then if you're far enough away from somebody. I mean, do you remember when this started? Six feet, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then it was all surfaces. Like Clorox made a freaking hundred billion dollars, <laughs> and now we're and now we're being told it doesn't sit on surface. <laughs> well, that's what right? I'm saying. Is we still we were told no mass now masks. My point is, by the way, if masks were so good, then everyone should be able to open up, right? They're telling us mass, mass, masks. Okay, and I'm wearing a mask, so I'm gonna follow. I follow protocol. Our people in the station are gonna wear masks because that's the protocol. Having said that, though, if the masks were so good, then you should be able to open up. So, A, you got to wear a mask, and then you still got to self-distance, and you still got to be away from everybody. So what is it? Like, Well, I think it's like you said. They don't really know, right? I mean, it you changes. Co- you have county executives making decisions they shouldn't be making. And honestly, I don't believe they're authorized to make. I don't believe they have the authority to make. Okay, such as what? What do you think? Like, like MoCo? T- like. Time- I don't think a county executive should be able to, in essence, put a place out of business. You know, you could buy clothes in Walmart. You could buy clothes in Target. You could go to a pawn shop, but a bookstore is not open. A a small retail thrift store, not open. Like, who, who are you to make that decision? And how did you make that decision? What not essential and essential? It's not fair. It hasn't been it hasn't been administered fairly. There's people getting you know uh, let let things open up a little bit. Let's see how people manage it, you know, um, and and then you know go from there. Uh, you know, uh, and Patrick, when, when your reporters are going out, and obviously I see a lot of their tweets, I see your tweets. What is the general census from like? residents in montgomery county are they ready for phase one and two oh, they want- i mean from the people we hear they're just they've had it they've had it now again keep in mind you know i'm still being paid most government almost all government workers are, i mean i shouldn't say most all government workers are still being sure paid. yep i would say most of the government contracting companies are still paying their people i would say the law firms and the accounting firms in this area are still paying their people insurance companies, and so forth. So you're talking about an area that, and again, I'm making this number up. Okay. Let's say 80% of the people, white collar jobs, working for the government or something related to the government, still being paid. So it's easy for them to continue to say, can't open up, can't open up, can't open up. Sure. No, it's time. It's time to let the businesses try to survive. It's we've gone beyond the goal. That's my concern now. The goalposts keep moving and you keep people still stay at home. Business is still closed. And I just think it's completely unfair at this point. So you have now Mayor Bowser, you know. Um... And by the way, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I, I think that I, I think there's a lot more people feel like I do. 
and I'm not just talking about from the from and I don't think this is a partisan or political thing. I believe that um, if you're still scared, stay home. Stay home. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people that are immune compromised, people that are older are going to have to stay home a lot longer than, you know, maybe younger individuals, people who are not immune compromised. Yeah, I mean, you are going to have to make your own decisions. Obviously, you know, I'm still in Maine. I'm coming back this week. But in Maine, they've sort of re- basically everything's open for business. Um, you know, see, you can sit in restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, people are making their own choices. And I would imagine the truth is, is even in Memorial Day weekend, there were not that many people compared to what you've seen in the past in Maine on Memorial Day. So what's, crazy, what's crazy to me is, and again, I think, you know, I think I bring a very unfortunately a unique perspective to this with my dad and, and so forth. I mean, I know a lot of people. I manage a station with 200 employees. Right. I, I know almost no one else who had it or has it. Now that doesn't mean there's people who had it and I'm not aware of, or, or I guess my point is right. like, yes, a lot of people have it. A lot of people got sick. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of tragedy related to it. Uh, but but if you really break down the numbers, and again, this is going to sound, there's two things here. If you look at people over 70, the vulnerable, those with, uh, you know, you know, compro- you know, compromising underlying conditions. Sure. There's long-term care facility. It makes up such a huge portion of those who actually died. Right. People have gotten it. I mean, I think it's ninety nine point seven percent of people who have had it have recovered from. So if you look at those stats and again, you know, those numbers vary by state and region and all that stuff. You can't keep economy closed because you're afraid somebody may get it. You just can't. Patrick, what do you say? By the way, we've never shut down this country for a pandemic ever in the history of the country. Even in 1918 when we had the Spanish flu? No, Now, a lot of people died. So, and again, listen, I was on the same, I thought to stay at home, to flatten the curve, to protect the hospitals was the right thing. 100%. I was in agreement of it. It's gone overboard now. It has completely gone overboard. Michigan won't let boats in the water. Governor Governor um, Wolf from Pennsylvania's gotten power hungry. Governor Murphy from New Jersey, the Blasio beaches, enough. They're infringing on people's rights over the top at this point. Okay, and and you said this. I mean, obviously you've been directly impacted, but we are talking about, and this was the big thing at the beginning of the year was, well, you know, 70,000 people die of the flu every flu season. Now we're, we're getting to 100,000. Predictions are even 200,000 by September. I mean, that's a lot more people than the flu. So yep. what? Have, how I, do you listen, feel about those numbers, though? I mean, that's a lot of people I, dying in this never, country. I've never said it's the, like, you know, I mean, going back to mid-March, you and I both have talked that it's not the flu. We knew it wasn't the flu. We knew it was more contagious. We knew the vulnerable would get more sick than the flu. So don't you Uh, have to mitigate? Don't you really have to be extra precautious like a lot of these mayors and governors are doing? No. Yes and no. They they have been, but now it's gone over. It's gone completely over. 
you well, know, they keep saying, oh, the data, the data doesn't suggest we can open. What does that mean? Well, I think that means that basically you you have these people, because like you said, you're going to have people that like younger people, maybe even older people that don't believe it's real, don't believe they're going to get it. They're going to have a party of 100 people for a graduation party. And suddenly we're going to see what's happening in Arkansas, where now they're a hotspot and they never shut down. Okay. Um, Sweden never shut down and they're doing pretty well. Well, don't they have like a 10% death rate? We've got like a 5.7% death rate. They've got a, I mean, that's double. No, our death rate's... Not even close to five point seven. Not even close. Of okay, well, Sweden has like ten percent. Well, I listen. I, you know, everyone talks about how well Sweden's done, and again, I you know they're a smaller country and different. And I listen. My alt, we've gone around and around on this. We okay. can move on. My my all overlying point is I've seen firsthand the devastation. I've seen firsthand how a state like North Carolina can manage it. Sure. It's time this region opens up and gives people a chance to save their business. Yeah. Let people make their own decisions, set protocols. The problem is, if you look at the phases, they're going to make it so onerous on the restaurants and some other retailers, even in phase three, it's not even going to be worth it. So you're talking another month, month and a half, before these restaurants ever get back to whatever the new norm is, they're going to be closed. They're going to be shut down. So basically, you've, you, you've in essence, give the businesses a death sentence as well, which is unfortunate. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It's a really tough call because these small businesses do deserve the right to be open. And like you said, I mean, you've got Walmart selling clothes, but yet you might not have, you know, the small boutique being able to be open. And it's like, how do you make that decision? So I think you bring up some good points. We have sports to talk about. We also have Joe Biden had a a pretty crazy week, you know, doing that interview with Charlemagne. Um, And then, you know, that was picked up by CNN and everywhere else, where essentially he said, you know, if you are voting for Trump, then you ain't black was uh, uh, the quote. Now the Trump administration is selling merchandise for that. And, and, you know, Joe Biden was trending over the weekend for a couple of days on Twitter for whatever that's worth. Um, But and you also sent me an article and you were tweeting about this because Biden was basically saying that Amazon needs to pay their fair share in taxes. Amazon fired back. So where are you at with Biden um, over the past week? Biden's a mess. He's just fortunate that Trump is, is 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 right now. Trump appears to be a bigger mess. Yeah. So whether whether it's COVID, whether it's him, him, him tweeting about or discussing Joe Scarborough, the, the intern who passed away uh, years ago when Joe Scarborough was a Congress person in Florida, you know, creating some sort of conspiracy theory as if, you know, Joe. Right. Was somehow involved in, in the death of this this woman. You had the. The, the ex-husband of this woman, I think she was 20 years old when, when she died. Uh, apparently, she had some sort of heart condition, uh, which which unfortunately led to her collapsing in the office and hitting her head. Oh. Uh, I believe it was looked into at that time. Scarborough left Congress after that. And so, you know, President Trump's positioning it as there's some sort of conspiracy theory there. Uh, so that hasn't gone well for him, I don't think. Uh, you know, listen. You know. But do you think he's feeding his base? Do you think the base cares? We've talked about his limitations on being able no, to. I, 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 I had this long conversation with someone over the weekend. 
Trump, Trump's base is his base. It's not going to win him the election. Okay. Okay. That's for sure. Certainly not the states that he needs to keep in his corner. The Pennsylvanias, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, the Arizonas, the Floridas, maybe even North Carolina to some degree, the Maine where you are. Trump captured, you know, an individual four years ago that was disenfranchised, you know, mainly white, blue collar, you know, suburban, but, you know, poor, you know, I don't want to say poor, but um, who felt left behind. They didn't fit any specific group that had been cared about. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that some of those people have left him. You know, I, I, when I talk to people, I don't ever, I, there's very few people I talk to who say, I didn't vote for Trump last time, but I'm going to vote for him this time. Okay, fair enough. There's also people I do talk to that say, I voted for Trump last time, and I'm not going to vote for him this time. Are you thinking, though, I think after seeing Biden's comments, seeing him trend, you know, I'm wondering if we're going to have a repeat of 2016 in the sense that you're going to have people that are dissatisfied with both candidates and don't come out, which we know helped Trump, obviously, because people felt that way about Hillary Clinton. Now, I think people feel the same. Um, certainly, black, a lot of black voters Hillary, feel like Hillary. And we said this. I'm the first to admit, I, I didn't think Trump was going to win. However. Go back to what we've talked about leading up to that election. Hillary was one of the most unlikable candidates of all time. She was unlikable. She was uh, condescending, arrogant. You know, the whole Clinton legacy, all that stuff. She just, people were looking for a reason to not vote for her or at least stay at home. I think Biden, his his thirty plus forty plus years in Washington. That's true. People like him. Now, having said that, he's been in Washington for thirty forty years and candidly hasn't done much, right? So, it's rare that you're going to elect a senator, someone who's been in Washington for that long, to the presidency. So. It almost, I mean, you have to go back. I mean, Bill Clinton was a governor. Obama was a senator for a short term. You know, George W. was a governor. George H. was CIA director, uh, VP. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I mean, way before my time, you know, the guy's been in Washington for 40 years. Right. Right. He's run for president three times. Ah! So, but he's a very successful vice president. Well, well, okay, based on what? I mean, Obama was the president. Very. I mean, who's yeah, a but successful that's not an vice easy, president? That's not an easy job. You're still tasked with. You no, know. he did. He did nothing. So, but my, oh. listen, he's a he's a bad candidate. I think I still think he's got some issues there from a health standpoint. Oh God! He's been in his basement for multiple months, and he's made numerous mistakes the you ain't black comment was ridiculous offensive 
Uh, having said that, though, the next tweet that Trump puts out kind of puts that on the back burner. So I, I, what, as we said, I think the VP pick is critical. Um, it's interesting, though, I've been following the odds on the VP pick, and there's a woman by the name of Val Demings. Never heard of her. Congre- Congresswoman out of Florida. Okay. Former chief of police. Okay. For years, law enforcement, a career in law enforcement. Um, African-American female, uh, very, you know, seems very qualified. She was, uh, Pelosi put her on, she was one of the admin, administers, I think it's called, of the impeachment hearings. Okay. Uh, her odds of becoming VP of keep moving up in essence okay val now she's still like she's still like fifth okay in terms of odds uh you know kamala's number one i think klobuchar's two if i remember correctly i think warren's three stacy abrams is four or five actually val demings is ahead of stacy abrams now wow in terms of the odds i think he has to pick a presidential ready VP. Um, yeah, because we know there's a good chance that person could be called to serve. So it's like, yeah, I think you're getting his administration. How do you feel about um, Twitter, by the way, now starting to fact check President Trump's tweets? And and now kind of this was just like overnight that they essentially announced. I think the last couple of tweets, they now come with almost like a, a link of, you know, hey, fact check this. This It, it bothers me because, you know, I think it's free speech. I think people should be able to fact check their own stuff. I also think you got to question the integrity of the so-called, there's actually a position called the integrity uh, the head of integrity at Twitter. And he, and apparently there was an article this morning. He's been tweeting crazy things, anti-Trump rhetoric, okay. anti, anti-flyover state rhetoric. Uh, so the question is who, who's the one administering the fact check? Yeah. I always question that, you know, uh, to me, let people decide if it's right or wrong. The president has a right to say what he wants, and people have a right to judge whether they believe it's factually correct, if it's incoherent, if it's a conspiracy theory, and then judge him based on that. Um, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't like it on either S- side. Slippery slope, perhaps. Very, very slippery slope. I mean, you have you have millions and millions of tweets a day. And, you know, you got some, you know, some algorithm and then some individuals determining what should be fact checked or not. Very scary. It, it, it just has it has partisanship written all over it. Um, you know, as most social media platforms, you know, certainly lean left or employees, I would say nine out of 10 lean left. Mm-hmm. So I think you're yeah, and, and they're bringing their bias to, to determine what tweets should be should be tagged i think is very dangerous very dangerous um why don't we talk amy cooper really quickly and then there's always sports stuff that we like to cover on this show so amy cooper is the woman in central park who was filmed by a black man she called 911 on him essentially saying that she felt threatened um and he he was out bird watching and asked her to put her dog on a leash which the dog was not leashed so she's lost her job she worked for a um hedge fund firm 
Yeah, Franklin Templeton. Franklin Templeton, $171,000 a year gig she loses. She's since apologized. Um, And I was saying to you overnight, the gentleman that filmed her was on CNN talking about, you know, he's not sure if she should lose her job or not. Um, But he felt like what she said was certainly racist. And he didn't really want to comment on if, in fact, she was racist because he he didn't know her. Right, right. Um, What do you think of that story? Well, it's it's a tough one. First of all, what the way she reacted, what she did, what she said was one hundred percent racist, right? Yeah, it was stereotype. She 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 created a narrative a that wasn't true, and then b exacerbated the problem by. Calling, threatening to call nine one one, and then calling nine one one, right? And then threw in the so-called dog whistle, if you want to call it that. I'm going to tell them an African American man is threatened. Well, number one, why? Why does that matter? If you felt threatened, you would just say a man is threatening me. Uh, so clearly, she did that because she thought either she'd get a quicker reaction from the police or she thought that he would back off because of that. And it was much more threatening to him by saying that, by adding that qualifier, right? So clearly, she highly inappropriate, clearly a racist, uh, and, and basically illegal. She, she, she falsified a report in essence. I mean, yeah, to, to, to a much greater degree she created a Jesse Smollett situation because she wasn't being threatened. The right. guy was a bird watcher. Uh, and, you know, she called in a, a false report and then and, and, and made it a point of saying he was African-American. Right. Whether she should be fired or not, that's a tough one. I know it is. It is a tough one. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know. Well, I it's mean, the she, morality clause. Like, you know, this that, that so yeah, many listen, companies I have. I they listen. They move quickly. They move swiftly. They certainly didn't want the backlash. Absolutely. Um, she clearly seemed unhinged. Told. I agree. I I think it's good that you brought that up. So unhinged. I mean, so angry. Uh, so yeah. I don't understand why the bird. And again, uh, I say this because we're having a conversation. But by no means, I got. By no means am I even remotely putting any blame on on the bird watcher well why does he have dog treats is it because people always take their dog off and he that's a way for him to protect them himself if the dog was to jump on him or go I know, after that, him? you know what you brought up a good detail of that story which i had forgotten yeah because he i guess the whole escalation apparently started because he was feeding the dog right wasn't he giving the dog something? no he asked he, right. he asked the dog so so from the video i saw and the articles i've read he asked, he did ask very nicely for her to put the dog on a leash. She was in a Bramble Park section of Central Park. She asked for the, he asked for the dog to be on the leash. She refused like multiple times and then it escalated from there. Right. Which I mean, every dog should be leashed, leashed especially well, in it's a, it's New a York City. Policy. Yeah. The dog should be leashed. If somebody asked, certainly somebody asked you to leash the dog, just leash the damn dog. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, in her, in her unhingedness, and her racism, 
she grabbed the dog by the harness, yes. lifted the dog up off, was like basically choking the dog. So now she's lost her dog. Yes. She's I- lost her job. Uh, I think it would have been her, tough for her to come back to work for that company. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? I mean, do you think she should have been fired? Um. Oh, God. It's a difficult decision, but I think it is like any morality clause. I mean, I, I feel like in radio, I mean, didn't they? I think they had the right to fire you if you got a DUI. I think, you know, you... Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's so much at stake, as you know, when you work for a big com- company. I don't think you can be surprised if you get fired. And I think, like you said, probably they just didn't want to deal with any, even if, let's say, they sent her to a therapy or rehab or not not rehab, but, you know, some sort of anger management, you know, training or, um, you know, kind of ethics. I mean, there's obviously not race training, but you know what I mean? I, I just don't think they would have wanted to deal with it. They obviously, they're a hedge fund. They, I'm sure they have huge clients. They've got huge things at stake. So, yeah, ultimately, I think that she probably should have been fired. Um, it sucks that people lose their job over that stuff, you know, because it's a bad moment in judgment. Or maybe that woman's like that all the time. I have no idea. But I think that woman's too old to not be able to control her emotions and certainly you know, what she did was, was awful. And, and, you know, to me, it comes down to people being entitled, you know, she just didn't want to be told what to do. And then she became, she might be racist or she used a racist. I mean, when you look at the totality of her actions, uh, I think they probably did the right thing. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, she seemed very entitled. It wasn't like there was any question. Like to me, if there was some like, okay, did he approach her? I mean, really, when you watch the video, she approaches him. Yeah, yeah. Like she kind of, she puts herself toward him because he says through two or three times on the video, ma'am, don't come near me. Ma'am, don't come near me. She was the aggressor. Yeah. No, and then I, to I think say, they did I'm going to call the police and then call the police and say an African-American man is, I believe she used the word threatening me or attacking me, or I don't know if she went as far as saying attacking me, but... Yeah, I mean, when you look at the totality of it. Yeah, she should have lost her job. Her unhingedness, falsifying a report, creating a scenario that could have been dangerous to him. Um, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, listen, if she said, you know, sir, I'd like you not to approach my dog. Don't give him a treat. I don't know what's in the treat. And then let's say she did feel unsafe for whatever reason, called 911, said a man. She still would have been looked as unhinged, but I don't think she probably would have been fired then. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they did the right thing. Uh, sports things really quick. So the yes. Nationals, you know, the Nats reveal their championship ring, which has, you know, their baby shark in it. Um, anyway, you weren't, you, you said you're not necessarily a big fan of championship rings, but you liked I just it. Don't ever, I don't ever think they're, well, A, I would never win one. <laughs> so I hear you. Uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I, you know, I just think sometimes they don't, they look either too, they're too big, they're too gaudy. They're, I, I, when I saw the Nationals ring, I thought, wow, that's, they did a nice job. The yeah. W looks great in the diamonds. Yeah. You know, the curly W looks great in the diamonds. It's not, it's not like too over the top. Uh, I think it's something you could wear all the time. Uh, so, A, I thought that was great. Over the weekend, I thought the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, <laughs> Phil Mickelson thing was what'd fantastic. Okay, what'd you think? Yeah, Charles Barkley. 
talking Barkley so was, much crap. Barkley was great. <laughs> uh, He's betting, hysterical. Uh, Brooks Kepka calling in uh, and betting, and then uh, Russell Wilson losing, you know, three hundred thousand. Not losing, but donating three hundred thousand on the par three. All three of them got within three of the four got within twelve feet. Tiger played great. Brady ripping his pants and hitting that one <laughs> shot. Brady looking human. He's yeah. not a very he's not a very good golfer. Right. Uh, I, listen, I thought the whole it did uh, six million people watched. Yep. I, I thought it was great. I watched the entire thing from beginning to end. Uh, was never bored. You know, they're playing in the rain. It was torrential downpour at some point. I think it just shows the appetite that people want sports back. I thought all four were good sports. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Twenty million dollars. I thought Payton was great. Very funny. Uh, no, I, it was very entertaining, and and it was it was great to watch. Twenty million dollars raised. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, like, plus, they, yeah. Listen, I yeah, it's it shows you, and I know there's a lot of people who are not sports fans out there, and that's fine. But to me, it 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 confirmed why sports is so important to me and why I think it's so important to the fabric of our country. And again, I don't want to over, you know, I don't want to make, you know, kind of overstate that, but sure. Sports is critical. So when people say we got to get back to sports and people, wow, sports is more important than that. Well, you know what? To some degree it is to some degree, it creates a normalcy for people. Uh, there's people who live and die by, Right. And, and, and it's just the competitiveness of it, the, the authenticity of it, the live nature of it, the unpredictability of it. I just think it's just fantastic. It, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was. That was really great. I mean, and just the amount of money they raised, it was huge. It and, was... You know, the NHL announced yesterday that they're going to come back. Uh, no date specific yet, but they're going to have a 24 team playoff tournament. Okay. Which is amazing. I think it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, and all these people said, oh, it won't be a legitimate championship, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Who cares? You know what? The Redskins, two or three of the Redskins Super Bowls are in strike-related seasons. Okay. Right. So anybody in this area who's saying that, get over yourself. Because then, you know what? The, then the Redskins really only won one Super Bowl, if yeah. that's the case. Right? There's been strike-shortened seasons. There's been stoppages of play. It's it is what it is. Yes, there'll be an asterisk next to all championships this year, but you know what? It's like a tournament within a tournament. Twenty four teams, let the best team win. Yep, absolutely. And and, and you have uh, Governor Cuomo saying that he wants to see sports being played. That football could be played, um, you know, in stadiums, no fans. Um, same with Major League Baseball. Sounds like the Yankees, they're getting ready to train. Isn't it this coming weekend down in Florida? They're going to start. Yeah. So on the stadium side, the concert side, you know, I don't see that going back. I, until there's yeah. a vaccine, I, I just, that's the one area where, I mean, you could open some restaurants to 50% capacity. You could have retail stores. You could have people self-distance. You could be outside, you know, you know, maybe an outside amphitheater where you you create like people are six feet away. Like if it was a beach, right. So they're, they're set up to listen to some music in, in that type of venue, but indoor concerts, indoor, 
Yeah, I agree. Oh, re- yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I know there's some controversy back to politics real quick. There was some controversy this week. You know, the the uh, speaking of North Carolina, the Republican National Convention is scheduled to be in Charlotte. Trump has said if he can't, if the governor Cooper, Governor Cooper cannot guarantee that they could be at full capacity for the convention, he's thinking about moving. it. Again, I, I, I just don't see how it could be full capacity. I don't. In in August, I know that's, that's a tough one, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look for me, it would be an easy call, which would be like find another state. Sorry. By the you way, know. are you going to watch the SpaceX launch today at four thirty? Um, I've had. Are you psyched about it? Or are you not psyched about it? I've had zero interest. It's so funny because NASA hit me up too on social media and asked me to, um, you know. Instagram about it or whatever, and I literally have had zero interest. Are you interested? <laughs> I, should be. Um, I, I should get more interested, I guess. Yeah, I would say moderately at mo- at best. It's, I would say their, their new suits are really cool, though. Have you seen the new suits? Yes, they do look amazing. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, it is, and you know what? I should get into it. It's probably another great moment for Americans to kind of come together, rally around. Um, for sure. But I haven't, I don't know why I'm not, I haven't been into space in these past couple of years. I'm not sure why. Yeah. I, I think anytime it takes off, it's, it's cool. Um, it's the first one since 2011. Well, I should really be interested because that's been, it's been a long time then. It's been a long time. Nine years. When you think about it, nine years since the last U.S. space launch. Yeah. That doesn't seem possible. Kelly Clarkson singing the national anthem. Well, then you know what? I'll probably tune in. I mean, (laughs) I hope I hope Fox five least interested. But yes, I'll be watching Fox five. I will. I will watch the uh, the space launch. Sure. Why not? (laughs) So what else is going on? Nothing. Just all is well. I mean, thankfully, just like working, podcasting, hustling away. You know, uh, following all kinds of barstool sports drama, which I've I've enjoyed. Uh, I've spent way too much time actually doing that, and I should be more into um, yeah, I need, space launch. I need, I need the COVID diet soon. <laughs> you're always on a COVID diet. You look great. No. Nothing changed. Uh, you're always no. Just no. It's one no. of the most stressful times in our history. Put it this just, way: if I had to put a suit on right now, it would be <laughs> it'd be a Tom Brady bending over to pick up the. Uh, the golf ball out of thing. We'd well, have some rip. We definitely would have some rip pants. Obviously, Tom Brady has been indulging. I mean, those golf pants were super tight for that guy. So you know, he yeah, had no, no room. I would, yeah, I'd have to. Uh, yeah, I got to get in suit shape if we ever get back to normal. <laughs> I think you got four or five more months. I you wouldn't think even. People ever wear suits again in their like in offices? Or... I mean, Patrick, that's just a great question. Like, do you even really want staff, all staff, back in the building? Why do your photogs ever need to come back in? Why do your editors no, ever no. need to come I mean, back in? And again, I just you know because of my position, I want to make sure that I say that again. Just because I'm advocating that restaurants and retail outlets are allowed to open up. And I think that should be accelerated based on where we're at with protocols. That's also different than workplaces. I think workplaces have to be even more cautious because people don't have the choice. If they have to be in the workspace, they need to be protected to the best of your ability. Yeah. So we're putting in a whole additional set of protocols before we even consider bringing back 
more people. And we have some people in the building already because we always, we've never closed. We've gotten most people out. But as we say, okay, whether it's July or whatever, okay, you know, half the week, 50% capacity or whatever, they got to be safe to the best of our ability. So that's because they have no choice. You got to go to work, right? So I have a choice to go to a restaurant that's open. I have a choice to go to a retail place that's open. I don't have to go. Yeah. Um, But I think we're kidding ourselves. People have been in giant and, and, you know, uh, you know, Safeway and Harris Teeter and Walmart supermarkets, uh, you know, every day since this start, people walking by each other, masks on. How is that any different than a restaurant? Like, I think we're just, we're separate. We're separating these things because we thought of need. Um, because I think my understanding, my own interpretation from the CDC, and again, it's evolving all the time, but it sounds like where people are contracting this is by either sharing food, being in a group with 100 people, you've got one person, any sort of spit molecules. So the problem is, is you're in Target, you can keep your mask on, you can wear your gloves if you want, you can wear a suit, whatever you want. You sit down at a restaurant, like you said, you have to take your mask off. So at some point, some sort of if you sneeze, all that we know is then transmitted to the table next to you. Um, you know, you're also your food preparation seems to be one of the biggest things. It's like when they were talking about patient zero in some of these places in Connecticut. You know, they go to a party. They're all eating the same chip and dip. You know, I don't know. Somebody doesn't clean one bread basket the right way. Then you're serving multiple people after multiple people in the grocery store. You're you know, you're probably touching things maybe that one yeah, or two I, people. I just, think, I just think we're making these decisions with not a lot of, based on not a lot of facts or data or science. So, all right. All right, Patrick, where can people follow uh, you on Twitter? Patrick GM Fox 5 DC. Awesome. We'll be back next week. Sarah, talk to you later.